I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. And we are live. Welcome to the NBA Strategy Show. It is Wednesday, January 10th. I am Josh Engelman. I'm joined by Greg Ehrenberg. We are brought to you by BetMGM. Nope. Yep. It is BetMGM. (laughs) Almost almost got that one wrong right out of the gate. Eight games slate ahead of us, although there are 10 games. Uh, Shout out to DraftKings and FanDuel for dropping them. I don't really think they needed to, but... It's uh, two less games that I had to break down today, so I'm happy for different reasons. Hit the like button, subscribe to the channel, hit the notification bell so you know when everything goes live. Follow us both on Twitter. Greg, what's going on? No, so uh, I'm... The one thing I'm happy about is that I don't have to stay up quite as late to make some of the late swaps because last night, for instance, we're making late swaps till 10.30 Eastern time for for that island game, which for a five-game slate, it really did have to be on that one. I didn't want it to only be a four-game slate. But then it's annoying when that means that a fad young gets announced as the starter 18 minutes before the late game starts. And then I'd like a bunch of Chris Boucher that I had to bring down and uh, didn't get to quite as much of fad young as I would have wanted to, so... Uh, a little bit annoying for last night as it pertained to some of the late swap. But for today, yeah. I mean, we we don't have too many guys that are questionable on the injury report, but there are some no. players who are ruled out that, that you and I are going to be hitting on here. Thad Young. Thad Young. I tried to put that out into the ether yesterday. I had no confidence in it, but it was nice to see. Terrible slate, though, yesterday, that's for sure. Just <laughs> real, real gross across the board for, I would imagine, most people. It was, Oy. for me, I hit on the contrarian guys at Ross. Like, I was well overweight to Sabonis. That was great. But I had, like, some contrarian guys mixed in with the popular guys, like Killian Hayes, who didn't suck, but he was mediocre. Kevin Herter yeah. didn't suck, but he was mediocre. Marcus Smart was going to crush and then just dislocates his finger. I couldn't tell exactly how he did it, but it looked like he took a shot and then went to do like his three-point celebration and hit his finger on his forehead, and then it just like dislocated. It was one of the dumbest injuries I've ever seen. So somehow Marcus Smart made a three and hurt his finger and then had to miss the rest of the game. So like he was good, but like he scored 35 fantasy points, and it probably would have been like well over 40 if he didn't get hurt at like the start of the third quarter. Very, very annoying. Just a, an annoying day across the board. But now we're here, eight games. We don't have to – we don't have aggressive – um Killian Hayes chalk today luckily for us so for right now it looks a little bit better you ready to break this bad boy down let's do it here we go Minnesota Timberwolves seven point dogs in Boston 224 total uh this should not be surprising but tough matchup for both teams Minnesota on a back-to-back the number one defense against the number two defense neither team plays particularly fast highest owned guy on the DK side is seven percent to a $7,900 power forward center eligible, Carl Anthony Towns. I find getting to Minnesota very difficult. Towns is very highly leveraged in terms of our optimal rates and our ownership, but I don't have a single share of a Minnesota Timberwolf right now. That is the exact same thing for me is we're, we're starting off here and I'm looking at the lineups that I've built. I'm sorting by the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Sims tool and I, I don't have a single share of any of these guys, Josh. And a big thing too is there's, 
There's nobody questionable on the injury report. There's nobody out to look at. So it's the second lowest total on the entire slate. There's no real value on the Minnesota side in terms of guys who could uh, potentially be ruled out or guys who are ruled out right now. And then this is an eight-game slate. There's a handful of other spots that do have value tonight. So this is one of the least appealing spots, actually the least appealing spot on the entire slate as of right now. It is the Minnesota Timberwolves. So we're starting off with basically just a punt for me. Yeah, like I wouldn't, I clearly wouldn't have any issue getting Anthony Edwards or getting Carl Anthony Towns or Rudy Gobert. Like those guys, I'm more than happy to get them, especially with that positive leverage for Towns. But just as I see it right now, it feels pretty difficult to prioritize anything here in a matchup against Boston. Maybe that changes because Q tag on Drew Holiday, Q tag on Al Horford, Q tag on Chris Stapps Porzingis. I mean, if all three of those dudes are out, I bet it looks a lot better for Minnesota, but you're going to need that to happen to really deflate that defense. As I look at it, when we go to the Boston side, it's the same thing it always is. There's no ownership coming into Boston. And when I say no ownership, I mean that quite literally. It is less than 0.5% to everybody. I did get two shares of Chris Stapps Porzingis. By all means, play White, Brown, Tatum, Holiday, or, or Chris Stapps Porzingis if they're in. If we get some news and one of those guys or two of those guys go from questionable to out, we will certainly look at Boston a little differently. If they're at full strength, I just want to watch this game. I don't want to have it in DFS. Yeah, so a big part of Boston, like right now, just kind of like the Minnesota side, nothing looks too appealing, but Porzingis is questionable. Drew Holiday is questionable. Al Horford is questionable. So if these guys get rolled out, then certainly there's going to be different kinds of situations that open up. What could really create value for us is if Horford and Porzingis are both out, we did see Luke Cornett start for Boston in this scenario, what was it, like a couple of weeks ago? And he absolutely ended up crushing that slate. So let's see, what was the price point on Luke Cornett for tonight? Cornett is... It was the 29th, by the way. Tatum sat, Porzingis sat, Horford sat. Luke Cornett played 33 minutes. Yeah, so we've got... Cornet, who is clearly not somebody that we would want to play under uh, normal circumstances here. But if there's multiple players out from the front court for Boston and Cornet starts again, pretty much any big man's going to be a serviceable points from in a fantasy yeah. producer, unless you're like Jericho Sims. So Cornet is $4,400 over on DraftKings. And typically, you know, he's going to be cheaper than that. But and, uh, same price on FanDuel, by the way, $4,400. If he's going to start and play around 30 minutes again, he becomes one of the top value options on the yeah. slate. So we need a little bit more news here, but Cornette's the guy who stands to gain the most if Horford and Porzingis are both out. Yeah, but for right now, uh, the entire public has spoken, and it is don't play Boston. Yeah, as of right now, don't play Boston. We'll see, we'll see yeah. what ends up happening later with the news. Sacramento Kings, seven-point favorites in Charlotte, 233 total. We're getting a little bit of love to the Kings. 15% ownership coming into newly minted starter again, Kevin Herter. Uh, 15% coming into Trey Lyles, and then about 10 to DeMontis Sabonis. We don't have an injury report yet for Sacramento. They are on the back-to-back. -back. We saw them unearth Juan Toscano-Anderson yesterday. Uh, when he, I, I saw, like I was watching the game because I had a lot of the Pistons, and I saw him and I was like, I didn't know he was on the team. <laughs> so that for I can probably name 12 rostered players for every team in the league off the top of my head. I would not have gotten Juan Toscano Anderson yesterday, but he did step foot on the floor. You know who didn't step foot on the floor a lot? Harrison Barnes. We got a shit ton of playing time out of Trey Lyles. And Harrison Barnes only played at the beginning of the first quarter and third quarter. 
interesting rotations. What do you like for the Kings? Yeah, and uh, one other thing to note as well about the Kings' odd rotations yesterday is they kind of hit the panic button early because they were getting smashed by the Pistons in the first quarter. And in 2024, there's nothing more embarrassing in sports than losing a game to the Detroit Pistons. So the Kings start freaking out. They start changing the rotations. Then the Pistons bail them out by being the Pistons. The Pistons had a stretch. I believe it was six consecutive possessions with a turnover, Josh, which really got the Kings back into the game in a hurry. A lot of that was due to uh, Killian Hayes, who's turned the ball over left and right. So yesterday, the Kings were down 20 points towards the tail end of the first quarter. They end up leading the Pistons by halftime, and they end up blowing the Pistons out by the time the game is over. There's there's no lead that is safe for the Detroit Pistons. But now we've got the Kings here on a back-to-back. What I'm most interested in is what you just mentioned there. Trey Lyles playing extended minutes while Harrison Barnes only played limited minutes. So with Trey Lyles only projected for fairly modest ownership today, We've got him projected for ownership in the like just above 10% range. I think Trey Lyles is an interesting guy to take a shot on in tournaments because while I don't know exactly what the rotations are going to look like because the game was a little bit odd yesterday, they did end up coming back and it does kind of stand to reason that Trey Lyles could continue to pick up more minutes while Harrison Barnes is a little bit limited. So considering his price point and a good matchup against the Charlotte Hornets, if there is no more value, it opens up. I think Trey Lyles is an interesting value option. However, if we do get a spot where like Boston guys get ruled out other spots and he's going to kind of fall by the wayside for me. How are you feeling about Herder now back in the starting lineup, shooting guard, small forward, getting some love? I think that 15% ownership makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it's, it's about fair. I was fairly high on Kevin Herder yesterday and he ended up playing 29 minutes in the start. It was a little unclear what his playing time was ultimately going to end up looking like because he had been coming off the bench for for a while Uh, i'm right around the field right now in terms of the ownership that i'm getting to on kevin herter and it's another situation too kind of similar to trey lyles where i think that herter looks serviceable as of right now but if we were start seeing the boston guys get ruled out and luke Cornette comes into play then herter probably falls by the wayside at least a little bit for me are you getting to sabonis i am getting to sabonis as a contrarian payoff option for the second consecutive day so uh last night Sabonis ended up being uh, one of the things that kind of saved the slate. So I didn't get like totally destroyed in my lineups last night, but he had a really big game against the Pistons last night. It's another good matchup against the Charlotte Hornets. It's a game that should be played at a fairly uh, reasonably fast pace. And if you look at the the total, sure, it's only 231 and a half points. But part of that too is because the Kings are such big favorites that their individual yeah. team total is fairly high in this spot. So Sabonis, good matchup against the Hornets. The only thing that's ever a drawback for Sabonis on DraftKings is the center only eligibility, but he is definitely in the bucket of guys I like paying up for. I don't have any, I, for some reason, I just don't get to him as much as I would expect to. I mean, maybe it's the fact that he is the most owned guy above nine K today. He's more owned than SGA. There's no ownership to Tatum, Trey young Fox, I'm getting Steph Curry with no ownership coming into Anthony Edwards at 9,100. So um, I would have no problem getting to him. He should absolutely eat this Charlotte front court of Nick Richards and no one else, really. So I would like to get a little bit more, but as of right now, I don't have it. Yeah, there's uh, there's really no ownership going to the expensive guys right now because you bring it up because you had said he's the most expensive guy above 9K. And I was thinking like, did I miss something? Is he more popular than I thought? And I go, look, it's like, no, no, no. He's only projected for 11% ownership. But to your point, he is the only player, him and SGA, the only two guys that are priced above 9K 
with double digit ownership. It's 11% to Sabonis. It's 10% for SGA. So as of right now, people are building lineups in the mid range. On the Charlotte side, we've got 10% ownership coming into Miles Bridges at 8,200. He is now power forward center eligible in case you haven't been paying attention. And why would you be paying attention to that? That is a positional designation he should not have. Uh, by the way, in case you're curious, small forward only on FanDuel. Uh, <laughs> Nick Richards is about 10% owned. And then you get to the big chalky, chalky, chalk play, which I'm so happy I'm under on right now. Terry Rozier is 30% owned, 8,500 point guard, shooting guard. I think he looks like an exceptional play today and should be pulling ownership. I do not trust him to have the same game that he had last time out. And now that he's going to be chalk in this one, it feels like the ultimate, he's going to go out there and shoot like eight of 28 from the field and be it. So I only have 10% of Terry Rozier, but he is certainly on the short list of cash game plays for today. By the way, I'm obsessed with this now. I have to look up the minutes that Miles Bridges played. Not this is the end-all be-all, but you know, basketball reference does have the breakdown of the lineups by the different teams and what percentage of their minutes yeah. they've played at different position. Uh, I'm going to assume you haven't looked at this. What would you guess is the percentage minutes allocation they have for Miles Bridges this year at center? It should be zero. Uh, it depends how they're classifying like Mensa at this point, who in my eyes is the five when he's not out there. The answer should be zero. Uh, if it's happening like this, then I assume you're going to tell me that it's like eight to 12. It is zero. So the, okay. the, the minutes breakdown they have for him, he has played 25% of his minutes at power forward this year, 72% of his minutes at small forward, 3% of his minutes at shooting guards. So DraftKings like, that's a center. That, which... Uh, the FanDuel has it right today, kind of. He should probably be yeah. small forward, power forward. But uh, how, he is, how, he, how he has center eligibility is uh, very bizarre. Is this the first slate that he's had center eligibility? If I just not Yeah, he didn't have it level? yesterday. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, that's very bizarre that he has center eligibility. And looking at the exposures that I have on this team right now, the player I get to the most is Terry Rogier. With that said, Rogier is expected to be very popular on this slate. We've got Rogier projected yeah. for the third most ownership on the entire slate on DraftKings and 8,500 for Terry Rogier. This is, this is a ceiling price for Terry Rogier as far as I'm concerned. And for him to be over 30% owned, that's a lot. And then Terry Rogier over on FanDuel at 9K is 27% owned. I, I'm yeah. not saying he's not worth getting to. I just said that he's my most rostered player on show. But that means I've, just over 10% of them, which brings me at like a third of what the field has. I think he's wildly overowned so far. I do think he's pretty easy to get away from. I think we might be a little light on his minutes for today. They just don't have anything else. When PJ Washington is out too, and no LaMelo, and no Gordon Hayward, you really get thin on actual creators. I went 38 for Rozier. I'm still not getting to that 30% mark, but I do think we could see that that gap between optimal rate and ownership sort of consolidate a little bit as the day goes on. Ultimately, the, the, the key message is this. He is a great play today. There's a reason he's getting 30% ownership on a point per dollar basis. He looks fantastic. Just might be a little bit too much for what we have today. Yeah, and we do have Cody Martin who's questionable on the injury report. I'm yeah. not sure him being out is going to open up any kind of crazy value. You know, like Nick Smith Jr., we saw him actually play a good amount of minutes alongside Terry Rozier was a game that ultimately went to overtime. So Nick Smith would stand to uh, gain a little bit for sure if there is Cody Martin ruled out. But I don't think that would make Nick Martin somebody who like I have to get to or anything. 
Uh, Nick Smith is well, actually $4,100 on FanDuel is a very appealing price point on draft. 42 on DraftKings. 42. All right. So I'll take yeah. that back a little bit. He's probably a little bit better looking than I had otherwise thought. I for some, I think I might've looked at Nick Richards price point before we started <laughs> the show. And I thought that he was in the upper 5k range. So uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'll, 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 I'll uh, reiterate what I'd said before. If Cody Martin is out, Nick Smith goes to somebody who I definitely have interest in. Cause I think he could play minutes alongside Rogier. You getting anything else from Charlotte? Not as of right now. And I also, I don't get to Nick Smith now. It would have to be Cody Morton being out for that to be something in play for me. Okay. Well, folks, 350 people in the door, around 50 likes. Hit that thumbs up if you haven't done it yet. Pretty loaded schedule for the rest of the day. NFL strategy show coming up next. Playoffs are coming up this weekend. We will be breaking it down. PGA strategy at 1 p.m. So golf is back. You don't want to miss it. NBA Deeper Dive at 5 p.m. I'll be back for that one. Live Before Lock at 6. Standard issue, two hours of NBA coverage where we only give out picks and help no one. Also, <laughs> also, if you are interested in potentially receiving a free month of whatever package you want at Stochastic, all you have to do is use our avatar, finish in the top three of a contest with 5,000 or more entries, and tweet that result at StochasticHOF. You can go to stochastic.com slash avatar, link in the description or in chat. That will allow you to download it. Load it up on DraftKings, FanDuel, Owner's Box, Yahoo. You can see the terms on the screen right now. But if you finish in the top three, tweet that result out. We want to give you a bit of a reward. We want to promote it as well. You get the Sims tool, projections, ownership, contest generator. It's an incredible deal, and it costs you absolutely zero dollars to do it. You don't even have to be a sub with us right now. This could be a totally free endeavor and it can just lead you to get our DFS packages. So come sign up stochastic.com slash avatar. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This is the, the Tank Bowl. San Antonio Spurs, three and a half point favorites in Detroit, 239 total. San Antonio uh, is going to be, where did it go? Where did they go? Uh, Dominic Barlow, questionable. Zach Collins still out. Detroit on a back-to-back, so we don't totally know their status. Lots of single-digit ownership up and down the board for San Antonio. 17% coming into $5,800 Trey Jones. Singles everywhere else. Uh, just four to Devin Vassell, who is the guy I'm getting to. 47% ownership to Trey Jones at 5,600 on FanDuel. He is my underplay on prize picks today, so uh, I hope all the people eating this chuck suck. <laughs> anyway, how do you feel about Trey Jones? Yeah, so Trey Jones is a piece of uh, chalk that I do like, Josh, at least as of right now. And he's not projected for like any kind of crazy ownership. We've got him 17% over on DraftKings on FanDuel. FanDuel, he's crazy popular. FanDuel is projected for 47% ownership. So that's a massive, massive number on him. The 17% on DraftKings, I think, is much more reasonable. And yeah. something else that's going to play a role in this, well, a couple of things. 
First off is the Spurs seem committed to starting Trey Jones at point guard. Good. Somebody who makes much more sense to be playing point guard with Wemby in the front court than Jeremy Sokan. Wemby should be the easiest player ever to get buckets for. You just need somebody who's a point guard who could competently dribble the ball past half court and then throw a lob somewhere in the area of Wemby. And he's going to be able to catch the basketball and then he's probably going to score a basket after that. That's something Jeremy Sokan is not capable of doing. So Trey Jones playing more point guard minutes now. The other thing too to consider is that it seems like Wemby is going to be on its minutes restriction for the foreseeable future. And when he's not on the court, like where does the usage go for this team? Because even like Keldon Johnson, they haven't been playing him a mass amount of minutes lately either. So Trey Jones is somebody who I wouldn't be surprised if he's going to be leading the Spurs in minutes alongside Devin Vassell for the foreseeable future until Wemby comes off his minutes restriction. So Trey Jones is reasonably priced on DraftKings and FanDuel. He's got a great matchup against the Pistons. We're also playing on the tail end of a back-to-back. The total in this game is 238 points. It's the second or third highest total on the entire slate. So I think this is a pretty good spot for the Spurs. On FanDuel, Trey Jones is a little bit too popular for me. But on DraftKings, it's 17%. That is a mark that I want to be overweight to. I'm nervous about Trey Jones' minutes. Like, we saw them jump up big time in these past two games now that they've been starting them. One of those games didn't have Malachi Branham. Then he came back for this most recent game. They're also playing Blake Wesley again now. Blake Wesley closed the second quarter. Uh, Explain that one to me. Trey Jones started that second quarter. He also played the entire fourth quarter, which I don't think is something that is guaranteed to happen on a regular basis. I like him. I'm just a little nervous that... Like, there's no trust level to the Spurs. I, I can't confidently say I think he's playing 34 minutes today. That would be, you know, like, we've got him in for 32 and a half. Even that scares me. That just feel like I don't, there's no reason to trust the decision process of San Antonio at this moment. So that gives me some concern. I like taking a shot at a uh, a 4% owned Devin Vassell. Uh, he's probably the best non-Wemby player that exists for San Antonio. He's got a great matchup against the Pistons. He's the kind of guy that I like as a GPP flyer. Not saying everybody should get to him, but if you're going to get to somebody, uh, getting someone unowned against the Pistons feels like a good recipe for success. Yeah, and this is such an odd matchup and it, this is not the game where I expect the Spurs start lifting the minutes restriction of, of Wemby either. But I didn't even know it was possible the Spurs could be playing a road game if they were favored by three points. And even even a couple weeks ago, if this was a game where Cade was still healthy, I would favor the Pistons to win this game at home against the Spurs. Ridiculous as it seems to have the Pistons favored in any game at this point. Uh, But, I mean, for the Spurs to be road favorites really shows how poor form that the Pistons are in right now. And it is definitely a spot where I want to be getting to, or at least on paper, I want to be getting some exposure to the Spurs. Trey Jones, the guy who stands out the most, but I don't get north of 10% of anybody else on this team. And it does feel like there's so much upside here considering the high total and the reasonable price points. But if Wemby's going to keep playing 25 to 26 minutes, it kind of takes him out of consideration. He still takes up a bunch of usage when he's on the court. So the only guy I have a meaningful amount of exposure to right now is Trey Jones. Wemby, by the way, 1.77 DraftKings points per minute over the past 30 days. Insanity. His his numbers, I, I've tweeted this a couple of times over the course of the year to kind of get people's pulse on it. And I, I'm wondering where you're at on this. Wemby's peak, what do his counting stats look like? Points, rebounds, blocks, steals? Uh, give me one second. I want to like... Trying to see it in front of me. His oh defensive God, stats 
could be some of the most ridiculous things that we've ever seen. Like I fully expect him to break whatever. I I don't even know what the record is. And I'm going to say right now, if he stays healthy, Wemby is going to break the blocks and steals records. I'd say something like in that, I don't know, like 20, 24, 25 points, like 12 to 14 boards, probably like five assists, you know, a, a, a steal and a half and like four to five blocks. <laughs> yeah. Like, like when we say peak, I mean like, you know, the best, when you go back and look at like the best options of his seasonality. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. He's averaged uh, probably four blocks, something like that. Easy. It'd be, it'd be nuts. His per 36 minute numbers for his rookie year are 24 points, 12 and a half boards, three and a half assists, and five and a half stocks. Now, like, I don't ever expect him to be playing 36 minutes, but I also expect him to become more efficient and better at the things he does as he ages out. So if he's playing 30 to 32 minutes, like, I I think that stat line is pretty realistic. The ceiling for the stats is absurd. Because there's there's a scenario where he could have a season. If you tell me he has a season where he blocks, like, five-plus shots per game, that's well within the range of outcomes. And then same, like you could tell me that he could average two steals in that same season and be like, yeah, that could happen, especially because his rebound rate has gone up as a starting center. I I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up with like 15 rebounds, if he ends up becoming more of a consistent outside threat. Like there's there's a ceiling where he has a season where it's like 30 points, 15 rebounds, five blocks, and two steals per game or something. 55% true shooting this year on 30% usage for Wemby. He's shooting 70% at the rim, which obviously is like never going to really go away. He's just too big. He's shooting 32% from the mid range. If that just becomes like average and his true shooting starts getting up and around like 60%. I mean, this starts to look truly ridiculous and I can't wait to see it. As long as he stays healthy, he is inevitable. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean like defensively, he's in the league forever defensively as long as he's healthy and like whatever you get out of him offensively is the bonus for it all. Yeah. And if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, he's already kind of towards the top of the league in uh defensive real plus minus and like defensive yeah. EPM and everything. And that's yeah. despite just having dog shit defenders around him. It's just him by himself. Yeah. He's seventh in defensive EPM right now and basically neutral offensively negative 0.4 with 20, like, I mean, the fact that he's taken on 30% of possessions and not completely cratering true shooting as a rookie, like 55 isn't good, but it's good for 30% usage as a 19-year-old or 20-year-old kid. Like, that's, you clearly see where that goes. Yeah, turned 20 last week. Yeah. Uh, Pistons, we got to do it. 22% ownership coming in again. To Killian Hayes, who's up to 5,500. Played the minutes, but I think he took four shots, which made me want to take shots last night. Uh, 12% ownership to Jalen Duran, who I think looks good. Just four to Jaden Ivey, who's up to 6,800 now. And then 20 to Boyan. I'm getting a lot of this Pistons team once again. I feel better about it today. Kind of. I mean, I felt great about Killian Hayes before yesterday, Slade. He was in almost Same. all my lineups. I don't remember the exact amount that I had of him, but it was a shit ton of Killian Hayes. And he didn't suck. I mean, for real life purposes, he sucked relative to his price point. He didn't, he didn't totally suck, but he wasn't great either. He was just kind of a guy who ended up existing on this late. But there were some positives to take away from it. 
He played a bunch of minutes. He had the ball in his hands a lot. He was terrified to shoot. It was super annoying to watch because I watched almost the entire game. There was points yeah. where he had wide open layups and he would drive to the basket, create a good shot opportunity for himself. And they just run like no look passes to three point shooters. They're getting picked off. So he had a, a gazillion turnovers. He finished with how many turn? Yeah, six turnovers in that I game. Say, so I know had, it was at least five. Yeah, he, he had four points, four rebounds, seven to six, six turnovers. If I'm not mistaken, uh, almost all those turnovers came in like the late first quarter, early second yeah. quarter there for Killian Hayes. So there's definitely a ceiling there, and I'm going to have to get back to him because if you're a point guard and you're going to play over 30 minutes at a reasonable price point against the San Antonio Spurs and constantly have the ball in your hands, I have to expect that there's some reasonable amount of upside there. I know that if you put up the same fantasy output yesterday, it does today at this price point to be a massive disappointment, but it is such an easy matchup against the Spurs. So I am yeah. uh, unfortunately overweight to Killian Hayes right now. I'm basically dead neutral. I have 24%. He's 22. I was hoping I would have none and maybe we'll get lucky and that'll change because I don't want it. The, the part, the, the worst part is going to be when I don't have him tonight and he does succeed. <laughs> <laughs> after having 80% of him yesterday. Uh, how are you feeling about the rest of these guys? Yeah, as far as the rest of the team, uh, the Bogdanovich game was super annoying yesterday because I didn't have lineups with him. And I was like, oh, great. I'm screwed after the first half. I thought he, had, he ended up not being necessary on this late, but there's nothing more annoying than looking at this guy. It's like, oh, cool. We're at halftime, he's eight of nine from the field with three steals at halftime. It's like, there's no world you project that to be a potential outcome for a player. So I had a ton of him, by the way. So I was very happy. Yeah, I was not, I was not. So uh Boyan, if I remember correctly, was like 12% owned on DraftKings last night. I think I had 3% of them or something like that. So I'm like, I had 34. Ooh. So you must've been feeling great early. Yeah, I was, I was, but then I, I didn't have Sabonis. So I was feeling ah. wait, it's right. It's always, it's so much fun to play and not have a single share of the highest scorer on the slate. <laughs> yeah so for me it was i had a bunch of sabonis but then didn't have bogdanovich so i'm looking at this game like oh this is this is problematic for me considering the price point of of Bojan. he ended up cooling off uh, i'm pretty neutral to him today uh and then i look at the rest of the players on the pistons the guy who actually like the most relative to ownership josh is jalen duran especially yeah. if we're only going to be seeing limited minutes from Wemby, this is always really hard to take into account where it's like, what does a individual player look like in the matchup that he's in? And Wemby is, there, there's probably no bigger sort of on-off situation for defense that we have for any team than Wemby being on and off for opposing matchups for centers. And yeah. the fact that Dern's going to get to play something like half his minutes against Barlow or whoever ends up playing the backup center minutes tonight for the Spurs, that is very, very favorable matchup for Jalen Dern in those minutes that Wemby isn't going to be on the court. And as is, Dern's been a really good fantasy producer. So I'm well overweight to the field to Dern. He's one of my favorite options, not just on the Pistons, but on the entire slate. I wouldn't expect Wemby to be guarding Jalen Dern on basically any possession today. I think you see Wemby just buried on Isaiah Livers when he's out there to help off of the just utter dog shit that he is. Had too much of him, by the way. Um, so if Duran is getting somebody, I think he's probably getting like Sohan or Champagne or something like that in that first run. 
you don't want to meet Wemby at the rim when he's helping off of a guy that he doesn't care about. That's the terrifying part for sure. Uh, I have 50% Boyan right now. I'm going straight back to what I had yesterday. No Cade. He's just a different dude. Uh, lots of scoring. No one's telling him not to shoot at this point. I actually have him in half of my stuff. He's projected for 20% ownership, but I'm with you on Duren. Uh, I have 22%. I like taking that stand. I think it's a good spot. I think his physicality plays really well against San Antonio and against this, uh, against Wemby. Like he's a Jalen Duren is a real like center bodied type dude. He can get into Wemby and I think he won't shy away from that. The guy that I like taking a flyer on here is uh, Jaden Ivy at 6,800, you know, only 4% owned. The shot's falling. It's good. He's going to be out. You know, he's going to be along with Boyan, the guys that are probably leading in usage. Uh, so I like him as a GPP flyer, not a guy that you should be going crazy to get to. Yeah, and looking at the usage stats this year for the Pistons with Kate off the court, uh, the two guys that you just mentioned there do lead the Pistons in usage. Uh, Boyan Bogdanovich, 26.5% usage rate when Cade's off the court this year, and Jaden Ivey is sitting at 26% with Cade off the court. As far as that correlates to uh, DraftKings fantasy production. This is what we've seen. The uh, three leaders in terms of point-per-minute fantasy production with Kate off the court this year. Bojan is at 1.11 DK fantasy points per minute. Then we've got Dern at 1.05. Jaden Ivey is at 1.02. So uh, those three guys all over fantasy point per minute without Kate on the court and not really expensive price points on any of them. Anything else for the Pistons? That's it. that's it for me. The only guys that I'm getting exposure to are Ivy, Bogdanovich, Hayes, and Dern. The Washington Wizards, seven-point dogs in Indy, 251 total, and unless you're unaware, no Tyrese Halliburton for the Pacers. 10% ownership to Jordan Poole, 10% ownership to Kyle Kuzma, basically 10 to Tyus Jones. wonder how many people clicked the wrong Jones today. Right. Uh, scattered ownership to Koulibaly, Gafford, Wright, Avdia, I'm 2Xing Jordan Poole once again, 5,900 point guard, shooting guard. I, I don't mind Kuzma. I don't mind Jones. Great spot against Indy, that's for sure. But these Washington prices have kind of stabilized. Yeah, and I, I'm i getting some exposure to these guys, but it's like very close to what the field has. So my initial run of lineups, it's 9% Kuzma, 8% Avdia, 8% Jordan Poole. I played Jordan Poole for the longest time for the standpoint of me kind of not adjusting my opinion on what his role is going to be in the Wizards this year. I can't believe that he's not just taking a million shots every single game because I was so yeah. convinced coming into the year that's what his situation was going to be. I remember also just looking at the different player props for players that DraftKings had posted coming into the season, and they'd over-unders for everybody's stats, Josh. It was uh, points per game, rebounds per game, steals this. They had Jordan Poole, his over-under for points, it was 25.6 points per game. And I was looking at that, I was like, Boy, I considered the over at one point, betting over 25.6 points per game for Jordan Poole coming into the season because I was looking at the Wizards roster. I'm going, outside of Kyle Kuzma and Jordan Poole, who's going to take shots? And what ended up happening was Jordan Poole was taking shots to open the year. He was making none of them. And now he's just kind of resigned himself to being a guy who's out on the court, collects some paychecks. And uh, he, he's not even creating memes like he was earlier in the year where he was being a total goofball. People would make fun of him on the internet. So right now I'm getting to some of these guys from the Wizards, but at this point I feel yeah. like they've been fairly appropriately priced. It's obviously a great matchup against the Pacers. The game's going to be really high scoring, but it's it's still kind of hard for me to get to these Wizards guys at what their price points are. And then as more players get ruled out, it's going to also kind of create more value to where I'm not going to be able to justify these Wizards as much as I am. So 
right around 10% of Kuzma, Avdia, Poole, Tyus Jones, but no real like massive stands. As we look on the indie side, again, no Halliburton, massive ownership coming in here. 40% to Nemhard, 35 to Jalen Smith, 25 to Miles Turner, 20 to TJ McConnell, which is nonsense. Uh, 15 to Aaron Neesmith, 10 for OB Toppin, 10 for Bruce Brown. I'm just going to open up the floor to you. What do you like here from the Pacers? Well, first, I think we have to figure out what we expect the starting lineup to be because that's going to really inform what our decisions are. And then, you know, if something ends up happening with a different starting lineup, then it is also going to change what we are projecting as far as minutes go for these Pacers players. And that would change which players we like, obviously. But right now, I'm assuming that it's going to be Nemhard, Bruce Brown, Aaron Smith, Jalen Smith, and Miles Turner, which here's what this primarily does. TJ McConnell, who is uh, fairly expensive now on DraftKings and FanDuel, and who I expect to come off the bench, I am not willing to pay that price point for him nearly as much as the field is. So I barely got to any lineups with TJ McConnell. It wasn't 0%, but it was only a few lineups with him. Uh, I I find him to be one of the hardest players to justify getting to relative to their ownership and price point right now. If he starts alongside Neymar, totally changes the equation. But at least as of right now, I'm I'm finding it hard to get myself to TJ McConnell. It, it's hard it's hard to find the minutes for him coming off the bench. I have zero right now. Um with the assumption that Nemhard is starting. I have 58 Nemhard, 44 of Miles Turner, who I think looks great at 6,800. Tons of Jalen Smith, who I just think find very hard to get away from based on his per minute performance. I'm 2Xing Aaron Neesmith, which I'm totally cool with. I assume Washington is bad defensively enough that he gets some open looks for three. Uh, I'm even getting a little bit of topping because of that power forward center eligibility. I just want to have a lot of Indy. That's what happens when you face Washington. And it's also what happens when Tyrese Halliburton, who does everything for this team, is out because he did also. I don't understand that it was a hamstring injury, not a groin injury. He did a split. He's laying on the ground holding his groin and like hamstring injury. Whatever. Yeah. That aside, he's going to be out today. And I agree with you. I'm getting to uh, about half my lineups of Jalen Smith, about half my lineups of Andrew Nemhard. I'm overweight to Miles Turner right now. And Turner's minutes haven't been super robust as of late, but also there's a lot of variance to Miles Turner's playing time because he does find himself in foul trouble a, a pretty good amount of the time. Uh, but still, I find myself overweight to Turner because there's such a usage opportunity for him in the absence of Tyrese Halliburton. And I'm just pulling off the on-off court numbers for this team right now as well while we're talking through this and let's see the usage for this team when there has been no Halliburton on the court as well as the fantasy production I mean we've got TJ McConnell is scoring this is what's fairly scary Josh 1.35 fantasy points per minute for him without Halliburton on the court so if he come, if he ends up starting over Nemhard, because I see people in the chat saying, "Do we think Nemhard or Halliburton start?" Uh, Josh and I are both expecting it to be Nemhard. If it is McConnell though, who starts in place of Halliburton, then then he would clearly look fantastic because one point three fantasy yeah. points per minute—that is uh, absolutely no joke. No, not at all. You, you're you're certainly getting to more McConnell at that point, but we're going to need more information. This one yeah. does start at seven, so uh, we will have this starting lineup. Uh, before this one gets started but you just want a bunch of washington and indy if you can get it because the 251 total is the highest on the slate yeah and just on the pace there's just a lot of guys look at this is the team i have the most exposure to by a mile same same all righty folks bet mgm is the sponsor they want you to hit the like button and then they want you to sign up because they're, they're giving out some loot 
If you bet $5 after clicking that link on the description, you get 158 in bonus bets. Super Bowl 58 coming up. They tacked on an extra 100 just because $58 would have been a really weird promotion to run. It's really simple. You should be signing up at Sportsbooks. Everyone you can get to if you're getting a deposit bonus offer, if you're in a legal sports betting state. I know I will be doing that in the upcoming months when North Carolina goes live. You do this, you place a wager of at least five bucks, you get 158 in bonus bets. It doesn't get any easier than that. It's two $50 bonus bets and one $58 bonus bet. You gotta be 21 or over to do this though, folks, because if you're not, or if you've got a gambling problem, or if you know somebody that has a gambling problem, please call or text 1-800-GAMBLER. But seriously, take advantage of these deals. Don't leave this free money on the table. By the way, not to, uh, I always wonder, like if, if you know somebody's gambling problem, it's like you, you suspect your neighbor does, you just call the number. It's like, ah, this, this Gary over here, he won't stop parlaying the Jets and the, the Giants every other weekend. I do wonder how that conversation would go when you call like, I know somebody who has a gambling problem. Yeah, so do we. (laughs) (laughs) I think we all do. Philadelphia 76ers are two and a half point dogs in Atlanta. 244 total. No Joel Embiid for this one for Philly. Uh, No Robert Covington either. Q tag on DeAnthony Melton. The ownership for this one is coming in to Maxie, Harris, and Paul Reed. uh, Around in the 20% range for both guys. I got a little bit of Maxi just shy of the field. I'm actually oddly light to Tobias Harris. I would happily take him. And I do not have uh, any more than 2% of Paul Reed. But what are you doing with the Philly side? A ton of Tobias Harris and Tyrese Maxi. A ton. And, same, and by the way, I'm on the same page with you as Paul Reed. I, I typically like Paul Reed when Embiid is out, but he's priced appropriately at this point. We've seen the price point come up. And they also seem like they really do want to get Mo Bamba minutes behind Paul Reed, which... Initially, when we first saw Joel Embiid miss games and Paul Reed start, I wasn't really expecting Mo Bamba to play any kind of significant minutes. And not saying that I think he goes out and plays, you know, like 25 minutes off the bench or anything, but just the fact that they are getting him minutes, you know, like over 10 per game in the situation, it comes away from Paul Reed. And then they could also play minutes where neither Paul Reed, no more or more or Mo Bamba are on the court. No, no Mo, no Mo Bamba. Less so Bamba. With, yeah. So with that in mind, I'm only getting Tobias Harris and Tyrese Maxey. I have both of them at about 30% of lineups right now. There's a whole bunch of usage that goes to these guys with Joel Embiid off the court. But as far as the ancillary pieces, a lot of them priced up and there's just better value available. Yeah, I think we're on the same page for that one. On the Atlanta side, I'm trying to pick up the pace a little bit. Uh, Very interesting team. They basically went to a seven-man rotation last time out, which is kind of crazy. I think Capella is questionable for this one. And Onyeka Okongwu is 4,800 power forward center. If Capella is out, I think Okongwu becomes the highest-owned guy on today's slate. We're getting like 10-ish percent ownership to everybody for Atlanta, except for Capella himself, who's at 18. I've got a ton of Sadiq Bey, a ton of Jalen Johnson, a ton of DeJounte Murray. I don't know why Atlanta's not getting more love than they are. What's but so there's a couple of parts of this. First off, the absence of Joel Embiid makes a pretty significant difference, and it's something also that we're seeing in the total. This the total is two forty five and a half, and Atlanta's favored. None of those two things happen if Joel Embiid is playing in this game. So it's a game where the the pace is a little bit higher because Joel Embiid is out, and then also the Hawks are seeing an easier matchup because there is no Joel Embiid 
And then you've also got Clint Capella being questionable. To be said before, Onyeko Kongu is the best player on the slate by a mile. If Joel Embiid doesn't play, I'm fairly confident that if there is, or sorry, if if Clint Capella is out, Onyeko Kongu becomes the best player on the slate. There, Joel Embiid, we already know he's out. I would be fairly surprised if I don't have like 90 plus percent of Okongwu if Capella isn't yeah. out there. Have to. You have to. It's just, I mean, that price is insane. He's good. He's going to play 32 minutes or more in that situation. I basically have everybody except for Trey Young, and I'm totally okay with it because if that rotation from the last game looks like what they're going to do moving forward, that's a pretty tight one. Yeah, it was It was very tight. And now, I mean, we got Wes Matthews is questionable. And yeah, there, there's not that many guys to go to on this team to give minutes to because like they don't want to play but they, they don't want to play Trent Forrest meaningful minutes or like AJ Griffin. They don't have that many NBA caliber players on this roster. They have a core group of guys that are solid, but then you get to the bench and things drop off in a hurry for this team. So that could condense their rotation even more if we see like Capella and Wes Matthews end up sitting. So I agree with you. I, this is a team that isn't picking up that much ownership and they probably should be getting more than they are, especially in a spot where they're going up against the 76ers without Joel Embiid. This is my biggest stand today relative to ownership. I'm over on Bogdanovich. I'm slightly over on Capella. I'm 5Xing Murray. I'm 3Xing uh, Jalen Johnson, 2Xing Okongwu, and 4Xing Sadiq Bey, which will come down a little bit later, but that's neither here nor there. I just wish I got more Trey Young. Yeah. Yeah. It's, let's see, Trey Young is in. I mean, I, I do have 12% of him right now, which is, it's it, relative to what the field is doing, it is a good amount more. I love the idea of getting to Atlanta. They're my favorite GPP team of the day, if anybody cares. Let's see. Current ownership. I'll tell everybody right now. Here's all the projected ownerships for the Atlanta Hawks. We've Clint Capella projected for 17% ownership, but he's questionable. He's the only guy who's picking up any kind of significant ownership. And clearly that change if he's ruled out. Then beyond him, Sadiq Bey, 11%. Bogdan Bogdanovich, 10%. Jalen Johnson, 9%. Okongwu. Uh, 9%, Murray 5%, Trey Young 4%. So I do think that almost everybody there, with the exception of Clint Capella for me right now, is uh, worth being overweight to. Oklahoma City, four and a half point favorites in Miami, 234 total. Not a lot of love coming into this Thunder team today. 10% ownership coming into Shea, single digits across the board to everybody else. The guy that I have the most of, it's Casey Wallace, which is annoying, but he's 3,500. Other than Shea, what do you see for Oklahoma City? Yeah, so if we go ahead and look at OKC, the answer for me is uh, nothing. And I don't get too much of SGA either. He's in 12% of my lineups right now. He's a serviceable payup option, but there's other point guards as well. Like We just talked about Trey Young, who's picking up almost no ownership. I want to be overweight to Trey Young. Uh, SGA is somebody who stands to benefit the most probably in a scenario where a bunch of players get ruled out today. So if we start to see Boston value come into play, if Clint Capella is ruled out and Okongu comes into play, we need more guys to spend up for, then SGA probably becomes a guy who goes from being like, you know, just over 10% of my lap to probably like 20 plus percent. But at least as things stand right now, there isn't really enough value for me to pay all the way up for SGA. And then in addition to that, talking about the other players on OKC, don't find anybody else all that appealing. I don't want to have 10% case in Wallace. <laughs> we don't have value. 3,500, you know, playing like 22 minutes a night. I know I know why it's happening, but dude, it sucks from a fantasy perspective. 0. 
fantasy points per minute over the past 30 days. The Miami side of this one, though, looks a little bit different. Still no Jimmy Butler. No surprises there. Dude's a puss. Uh, Kyle Lowry, doubtful in this one. Caleb Martin, doubtful in this one. So the the Lowry news is pretty pretty important. But we're getting basically 10% ownership to Bam Adebayo, Duncan Robinson, Jaime Jaquez, Josh Richardson, and Kevin Love, plus another 18 to Hero. I think the Miami side looks interesting. Terrible matchup here against OKC. The guy that I'm getting to the most, I kind of like. I'm 2Xing Bam at 8,800. Let's see. I have, oh, I'm, there's a there's a good amount of guys that I'm getting to for Miami right now, actually. Um, Bam, not really one of them I'm getting to much of. I am getting to lineups with Kevin Love, though. And that's kind of, I, I think Kevin Love for me is kind of like what you said about Wallace before, where I yeah. know that Love is a little bit more expensive. But, you know, Kevin Love is still a serviceable fantasy producer at this point in his career. He's averaging... Uh, actually well over a fantasy point per minute, uh, 19 minutes per game this year, 24.72 DraftKings points in those minutes. So not to say that he directly benefits from the absence of Kyle Lowry or anything like that, but he's just a cheapish guy who's going to be playing some minutes. That's a good fantasy producer. The field isn't getting to and value sucks right now. Josh Richardson, I do think stands to gain minutes in the absence of Kyle Lowry and he's projected for fairly low ownership. So uh, Kevin Love, Josh Richardson, these are guys who, they could definitely fall by the wayside if more value opens up. But right now, these are guys I like being overweight to. Uh, Kevin Love, center only, even though he is power forward center, but at least Miles Bridges got it right. Insane. Yeah, like I've got Hawkes, I've got Richardson, I've got Hero. I think you just got to be getting to some of this Miami team just because of the guys that are out. Yeah, and especially because the field isn't getting there right now. Speaking of games that I don't expect the field to get to a lot of, Houston, four-point dogs in Chicago, 216 total. That's 35 points less than Washington and Indy. Only guy for Houston getting any love is 17% ownership to Shangoon. Please, by all means, roster Alper and Shangoon. I just happen to have Bam in this salary tier. If I had Shangoon, I'd be absolutely cool with it. Uh, no Dylan Brooks, no Tari Eason once again. Everybody that's normally available for Chicago is. I just don't know how you get to these guys that are all priced where they should be in the lowest total on the slate. Houston, I'd imagine, has the lowest implied total as well. Yeah, so if we look at Houston, it's a team that the only reason this isn't the least appealing game slash team on the slate is because the Boston-Miami game exists, uh, the Boston-Minnesota game, because I look at this this spot here with the Houston Rockets, and let's see, who do I get the most of? I have 6% of Shangun, but he's fairly popular on this slate, projected for just under 20% ownership. So I'm well underweight to the field on Shangun. This is not the best game environment. 216 and a half. In 2024, this is like a, this is the equivalent of like a 195 or, or yeah, like a 195 total from a few years ago. So 216, that is the lowest total on the slate by eight points to Minnesota, Boston, and those are the only two games with a total under 231 for the slate. Yeah, it's basically so 20 a, for everything else. Yeah, so it's just not enough possessions relative to the other games that we have today for me to really want to prioritize anything. The Chicago side is not much better. Single-digit ownership to everybody on DK and FanDuel. Zach Levine, 6,700 shooting guard small forward now. Interesting. Especially if he moves to the starting lineup, I guess that should be like pretty appealing, but uh, hasn't been good as of late. You get any one of the starters or like the you know guys that play starter minutes, fine. But as I said for Houston, this environment is awful. 
Yeah, the the one caveat is like you mentioned, Zach Levine, he is priced down and he has been coming off the bench. However, I think he starts tonight. He played off the bench 36 minutes last game. I know, I know it was an overtime game, but if yeah. they were willing to play him 36 minutes, that that is a real signal to me that the minutes restriction is kind of not an issue right now because it doesn't matter if you start, if you come off the bench, if you have a minutes restriction due to what the doctors have determined you should be playing, then his minutes would be fairly low if he's going to be restricted. So I think he moves into the starting lineup. I think he plays normal minutes tonight. And if that is the case, he's simply underpriced no matter what the game environment is. So Zach Levine is the one player who I like from the bowl side of the game, but it comes with the idea that I need him to be in the starting lineup, which I do think is going to be the case. For Chicago, though, for the rest of the st- – you're, you're not all that interested, yeah, are you? No, no, everything else is uh, not appealing, especially because if I think Levine starts and plays more minutes, well, that takes away from all of the other guys. One other thing as well that I'm not sure a lot of people are going to be hip to, but I this is, uh, this is from watching the games, Josh. I picked up on this. Billy Donovan was doing an in-game interview the other day, and he said that once we get – Uh, all the players on the Bulls fully up to speed and no kind of minutes restrictions. He said he is going to play Vooch and Drummond minutes together going forward. Of course he is. That's a great strategy. Play a guy that shouldn't even play in Vooch (laughs) and the backup center that should be the starter, but shouldn't really start anywhere. Good luck, Chicago. Good luck. So I, I don't know how many minutes they're going to overlap, but if we are going to take him at face value and coaches are dirty, filthy liars, they are very infrequently honest. But if that is going to be the case that they're going to play together, we should project them for to have you know some minutes overlap. The promo code that you should be using if you are an NFL fan is DRIVE. You will get our NFL Sims max package through the Super Bowl. For $99, and we don't stop there. It's not just NFL Sims Max. You also get access to our new PGA Sims all the way until January 21st. So what's that? 11 more days. This weekend and next weekend's PGA events, I'm guessing. Right, Greg? Yeah, so we have... Um, what was so, P, so there's a PGA event... I think I'm not like totally familiar with the PGA schedule, but there's a there's a tournament this weekend. There's a tournament next weekend. And then right as football's ending, there's the waste management, which is uh, like the kickoff of the season for PGA. As far as DFS is concerned, like that's where the really big contests are. So ahead of that, we wanted to give people the chance to try out our PGA tool. So anybody like Josh just mentioned, if you sign up, for our NFL package. And it doesn't mean if you just sign them out, even if you have an existing NFL Sims max package, you are going to get uh, free access to our PGA package for the next couple of events. So a uh, chance to try that out before the season really kicks off. Links in the description. I hope folks, but maybe in chat, I don't know, fingers crossed for both of the things that I just said. Yeah. Duh, or not, I guess, but whatever. <laughs> Pelicans, final game, one-point favorites in Golden State, 233 total. We have a Q tag on Zion, which will carry a little bit of weight. Uh, We don't have ownership for the Pels, though. 1% is the high mark to anyone you want to choose. 12 to Herb Jones on FanDuel. But uh, there's no ownership to the Pelicans, and I don't expect to get any. My most rostered player right now is Zion, and he is questionable to play. So if Zion doesn't play, that is going to open up some more value for new orleans now with that said they are kind of priced up at this point anyway 
Uh, but just note that Zion's questionable. Jose Alvarado is questionable. Uh, but at, as things are standing right now, this is a team that I'm hardly getting any of. I have a couple of shares of Zion. I've got a couple of shares of Larry Nance, and that's that's it. Similarly, there is no ownership coming into Golden State. 4% to Clay, to Sarich, to Kaminga. If you trust this Golden State team, good luck. Uh, they changed three of their starters in the second half of the last game. I have no idea who's starting. I have no trust here. But the guys that I have, 22% of Clay Thompson and 10% of Steph Curry at 1% ownership. I'll take both of those things, but I don't love it. Yeah, so if I go ahead and uh, look at my last section, the same boat as you, Josh. Not not quite as much of Clay, but he's only projected for 3.6% ownership. And I do get to him right now in 12.7% uh, of my lineup. So a little bit of a stand here on Clay Thompson, just really based on how low his ownership is. I don't love it. There's nothing here that's a priority for me either. Clay's the guy that I have the most exposure to. And another guy who, if more value opens up later, then my lineups start to become a little more stars and scrubs looking. Clay falls by the wayside, like a lot of the guys we've talked about in the mid-range on this slate. And that's kind of it. This is, this is another game that isn't all that great to look at. Greg will be back later for Live Before Lock. I will be back later for the deeper dive. But NFL strategy show coming up next. Thank you to BetMGM for being the sponsor here. Don't forget about that drive promo code if you want NFL Sims and PGA Sims. Anything else you want to add? Anything you got to plug, Greg, before we get out of here? No, that's uh, that's about it. If you guys haven't done it, like the video. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. And also, don't forget that anytime you sign up for a Stochastic Package, you get access to our Discord. Now, I'm spending a bunch of time in Discord now, Josh. Every single night after the Live Before Lock show ends, I hang out in there until the games until the games are all locked. So last night, I was in there until 10.30 Eastern time. We were talking about the Thad Young news and the different starting lineups and how it was impacting my lineups. So if you guys want access to our Discord, the most affordable package that we have is the lineup generator. It's less than $15. You get lineups that are built for you, but you also get access to our Discord where you can hang out, ask questions, make fun of Eric, whatever it is you want to do in there. There we go, everybody. Thank you for joining us. Plenty of content coming up. And I just knocked my microphone fully upside down. <laughs> NFL strategy show coming up next. We'll talk to you later. I don't even know it could do that.